Hey friends, welcome to the Sleepwalker Podcast. I'm Suzanne Clune. So welcome back to episode two. This is called Not a Bedtime Story. This is a waking up story. So as I sketched out the first five episodes, the biggest question after the introductory episode was, what's next? The more I thought about it and talked with God about it, the more I heard start at the beginning. But what beginning? The beginning of the story. The place where the story starts. As I record this right now, I'm thinking that the current plan for the show is to be released around Christmas, which means that by now you've probably heard lots of stories. You've heard stories about a young woman who was told by an angel that she was favored by God, who then became pregnant by Holy Spirit. You may have heard a story about a young woman and her betrothed, Joseph, who traveled to Bethlehem to be counted at a census, about how there was no room in the city so that the young woman gave birth in a place where animals were kept and cared for. The story you heard may have included angels telling the shepherds that a Savior had been born in the city of Bethlehem and that they were to go and find him. The story may also have included something about learned men living far away who knew by watching the skies that a great king was about to be born. The same stars that God placed in the sky for signs, for seasons, for days and for years. They saw and they said something amazing is happening. And so they came to worship him. At this time of the year, you are hearing and telling the story of Jesus. And maybe you are done hearing and telling the story of Jesus, and I hope you aren't, though. Maybe you are wondering, what does a baby being born have to do with you? And that's a good question, after all, because the manger isn't the beginning of the story. If so, it's time to place the story of the birth into the larger story to get reminded in a fresh way about why you need to get connected back to the Father. Sometimes we can have a hard time telling people about Jesus. I have. You probably have, too. Now, just because I have doesn't mean I never did it. I did. As a child, it was easier. With a childlike faith, I would tell my friends that they needed to accept Jesus into their hearts. When I worked at a Christian summer camp for three summers during high school, it was actually a nearly daily event to walk campers through praying and accepting Jesus as their Savior. It was awesome each time. It became more awkward, though, as I grew older. Awkward and hesitant. I always got tripped up on where to start. Now, if you've identified as a Christian for any period of time, most likely you've been given the advice, talk about how we can't measure up as good enough as being good enough for God. And that's totally true. Or I've often heard the advice, wait for those moments in life, those pauses in life, and take that opportunity to share about every person's need for a Savior. Here's another one. The problem with most people today, at least here in the U.S., is that many people's physical needs are met. So a Christian has a harder time sharing about Jesus because people don't realize they need a Savior because everything's pretty much okay. There's too much prosperity. This should shock us. This should be painful to admit. Because if we're focusing on the reason why we share is because someone's having a hard spot in life, we are missing out on the point of our sharing and the point of where the story begins. So I always miss talking about the Father and Holy Spirit. And mostly this was because I didn't know much about them at the time. I had a decent intellectual understanding about them, maybe. I know I had a decent intellectual understanding about how other people who currently lived or who had previously lived thought about them. But that's not the same thing as knowing the Father and Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus is for everyone, just as the angels promised to the shepherds on the night he was born to Mary. Everyone needs him. Everyone needs the whole story, the one that includes the Father and Holy Spirit. Everyone is in need of being reconnected back to the Father. And instead of waiting for vulnerable moments in a person's life, because we should be sharing this good news now, because good news isn't only good news for a person's weak points. It's for the person's strengths. It's the every part of life. When I started with Jesus, I struggled because I always felt like I was leaving half the story out. I really felt like if someone said, well, why? If I say, you need Jesus, well, where do I start? Because if someone is not has not been raised in a Christian mindset, maybe they're not understanding that they can't measure up to God and that they are, that, or that innate feeling of, hey, you need, you're supposed to connect with a holy and righteous God and you can't do that on your own. How was I supposed to explain that to them? And I always felt like, well, did I have all my facts in a row? Did I memorize everything the way I should? Did I read this theologian? Did I read this apologeticist? To get the right wording, Christian apologeticist is someone who is really good at explaining, defending the faith. So I felt like if I didn't have my ducks in a row to do that, I was leaving half the story out. And I also felt like I wasn't prepared. And how would I, how, how was I supposed to be prepared? How was I supposed to convince a person about the whys, the why they needed him? But what I've realized over time is that that's actually not my job. What I can do is I can share the full story and remind them, instead of, instead of convincing them, I can remind them of what they were created for, of who they were created for. And this is, the, this is sometimes the hard part, that I could trust that Holy Spirit was already speaking to their hearts in the same way that he spoke to mine about the very same subject. I want to tell you a story right now that starts at the beginning. This is a waking up story. This is not a bedtime story. This is not one to fall asleep to. This is one to wake up to. So once upon a time, okay, I won't start there because sometimes when we begin with those words, we may not know the story's specifics, but we are conditioned to know that when someone says once upon a time, it's going to be a story about someone who was meant to have a good start. Maybe something went horribly wrong. Someone was from a good family. Someone got lost. Something got lost. Something got misplaced. Someone was hurt. And then the story usually chronicles how things were made right. And we have a name for that. We call them fairy tales. Unfortunately, we look at those fairy tales and someone says, oh, that's a fairy tale. It means what they're saying is, that's too good to be true. And it's a cautionary tale. Instead of a, this is a hopeful tale, it's, oh, it's a cautionary tale. We mourn the loss of something special. And in the story, we focus on the restoration of that thing or relationship. However, the original story of restoration, the original story, the one that the father began and wrote and finished, isn't a fairy tale. And happily, this one isn't too good to be true. So once upon a time, there was a king, the good king, the king, God, the creator of everything, the Lord of all. This God exists has always, currently does, and will always in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He exists in perfect unity. Three persons in one. One God, without a beginning, without an end. He existed before there was such a thing as time. And He will continue to exist 
after time ends. He created time. And then there's us, humankind, created with love and care in his image to know him and walk with him in the cool of the garden that he created for us to be in. We were created to relate with God every single day. And in the beginning, everything was so perfect. We broke the connection we had with the Father's heart when we rebelled. We broke our own hearts too, and sin grew like weeds in the broken places, generation after generation after generation. But the story doesn't end there. The sovereign God, the Lord of all, seated on his throne in heaven, could have left things broken, but he didn't. Instead, he said, I'll fix what's broken and make our relationship possible. And he gave us an amazing choice, wanting each of us to come to him wanting relationship with him. He himself is responsible for stirring that within our hearts. He wants you to do this, not just because of a promised afterlife, but because he wants you to know him fully and completely. The good king knew that we had no way of restoring that relationship, so he made it possible. Because think about it. How could a child ever hope to rebuild what was so broken and so destroyed? A child can't fix something like that, but a parent can. Now, plot twist, we didn't surprise the good king when we broke relationship with him back in the garden. He had a plan, and at the very moment when all seemed lost, when it looked like that snake the original rebeller had won, surprise, not so fast, the good king shared what would happen one day. The son was promised to come and save the day. The original hero. But better than any hero in any other story we'll ever read. The father promised that he wouldn't leave things broken. He wouldn't leave us separated from him. He would send his son. We call him Jesus. Now, at this point in the story, it's important to remember that God, who exists out of time, remember, because he's the one who created time, chose to step into time to make it possible for us to experience both, and hear this, it's a both, both a future eternity that is beyond time. And right now in time, we get to experience a preview of the timeless heaven here on earth. Have you ever thought about it that way? That your relationship with him allows you to experience a preview of heaven right now? Begin to think about that. Even say, Father, what would that look like? And this is not a rhetorical question. Don't you want a preview of heaven now in your own life? I know I do. So let's go back to the story. The good king wanted this relationship restored with his children so much that Jesus, his son, willingly took on all of our sin so that we could receive and walk in forgiveness when we come to him to ask for it and confess. And confess means Speak with your mouth and your hearts that he is the only one who can save us from the brokenness, from our sin, and restore us back to what we were created for. Jesus came to restore humanity's relationship with the good king that was broken back in the garden. And I ask you, isn't that a king worth knowing? Isn't that a king worth sharing and starting the story where it begins with the father, with the good king? And would you believe there is yet another plot twist? At this point in the story, when everything seems finished, the hero has conquered, the hero has been victorious, even in the face of looking like he was defeated, he was not. 
and it's time for him to return to heaven to go back to his father. The story actually doesn't end there. He says, I have a gift for you. I am leaving you my Holy Spirit. My presence will stay with you, and you're never going to be alone. In fact, all the things that you saw me do while I was here, you're going to do them, and you're going to do more of them. You're going to do greater things than even what I did here. And as crazy and wild as that might sound, that's what's happened. So when we tell the story, we're telling the story, the whole story, not leaving any member of the Trinity out. If you call yourself a Christian, what you are saying is, you are a child of Father God, bought with the blood of Christ Jesus, and empowered by the living and present Holy Spirit. I promise not to use any churchy words, and when I use the term the blood of Jesus, know that I mean exactly what I'm saying. The blood that Jesus bled when he died on the cross is the blood that saves you, the blood that marks you as his child. Now, you may not be used to thinking about it that way, and sometimes it's very easy to think, I'm just going to make this all neat and tidy, but the blood is what made it possible. That's just how it is. And it's not weird, although it may be a different way of thinking for you. I actually think it's pretty wild that Jesus says, I'll fix what's broken by giving myself up to be broken for you instead of you, that I'm going to pay a price you could never pay. A number of years ago, this really clicked into place for me. A friend of a friend was interested in what Jesus had to offer, but hadn't yet made the decision to follow him. So he and I started talking. And instead of doing what I had done many times before, I started the story from a different place. I started the story at the beginning, with the father and the relationship we were created for. And at the time, I'm having a bit of a war in my head thinking, wait, what am I going to say next? And I'm having this conversation with Holy Spirit saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to say next because this is out of my comfort zone, because I'm used to just talking about why you need Jesus. And I'm hoping that the person I'm talking to has had some experience prior to this with church that they're going to remember and go, oh yeah, that's why I need Jesus, because I am weak and lost and broken. Now, starting the story with the Father doesn't change any of that. Because without him, we are weak and lost and broken. But I realized that I was supposed to start the story at the beginning, where it made sense with the Father and what we were created for, and the longing that each of us feel for more, for connection, for something beyond ourselves. That's what the Father has placed in our hearts, and that's when he speaks to our hearts, we can respond because he's calling us to him. So instead of doing what I had done many times before, I started the story from a different place. And yes, I realized that my heavenly dad had been missing from the story, and so had Holy Spirit. But here's the thing to hear, not anymore. I don't know how I ever could have thought it okay to share Jesus only, and I thought that it would make sense to someone else, because frankly, it didn't make sense to me. If we're commanded, and this is the part that I would continue to go back to and I still go back to today, if we're commanded by Jesus to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the implication is that we are sharing the fullness of relationship with the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Otherwise, what's the point of that command? Why would we baptize someone into unity and relationship, into communion, into oneness, into knowing with all three members of the Trinity, if we're not introducing the person being baptized to all three persons of the Trinity, and they understand 
how all three persons are a part of their salvation. And this is where it starts to just really expand in our minds because, because this is the thing, the God we worship, the God we read about, the God we are meant to share with others is the God who is alive and active and here. He is not far removed. We don't pray to a faraway God in heaven. He is with us always, even when that seems too amazing to be true. And the awesome part is, is that it is not too good to be true. This is not a fairy tale told for amusement. This is something else that I find amazing. We, each of us, you listening to this, me speaking this, every person we know, every person who has lived or will ever live, are special and unique and precious to God. He ordains the time and the place for each person. So every person who hears the story of who the good king is, the time that they are living in was, was ordained by the Father. And there's no such thing as an accident of birth. You were created in the time that you were created in, in the person that you were created in, to love and receive love from the Father through the willing sacrifice of Jesus, fueled, and this is a part sometimes that we, in Christian circles, we can leave out too easily, fueled by the presence, power, and person of the Holy Spirit. You were created for a supernatural relationship with that good King, the supernatural God of all creation. That's your birthright. The fairy tale isn't a fairy tale because the story we tell talks about the loss and the separation, what was first meant to be, what was lost and seemed hopeless and gone, and then was restored by our hero. That's your story. That's your birthright. When we talk about a birthright, it's something that you are entitled to, something that is for you, meant for you. That story is meant for you. And this is the truth of our existence. This is our reason for being. And that doesn't mean if you're wired a certain way, if you're artistic, you're intellectual, you're insightful, whatever you are, God wired you that for you to do wonderful things during this time you walk this earth. But the larger thing is you're created for a relationship with him. And that remains true regardless of the unrelenting attack of the enemy trying to convince the world that humanity exists as a lucky accident. As we think about this story, the story that's not a bedtime story, we owe it to generations who will come after us to get this right about God, to know and share the story, because it's a love story, the love story of the king who restores and rebuilds what was lost. And it's time as we hear that story, as we consider, God, do you have more for me? It's time to consider that that God-placed desire of, God, I think you want to do something awesome in my life. God, I think you want to use me for a great purpose. Father, I think you want to have me understand you in deeper and realer ways for myself, for everyone I know to be able to explain it. Father, you don't want me to stumble when I'm trying to explain why someone should accept Jesus as their Savior. There's a whole generational lie about keeping God vague. And we pride ourselves sometimes on our focus on Jesus, while our focus on the Father may be more than a little fuzzy, which means what about the Holy Spirit? Sometimes He's completely out of focus and not even visible to many, and many are happy to keep Him that way. But God is the one who says that He is three persons. He's the one who invites us to know Him. He's the one who says, if you want to wake up and live the life you're created to live, come and follow me. Come and know me. 
And that doesn't mean a vague Jesus and God. That means Jesus and the Father and Holy Spirit. If we put ourselves into this awesome story, our being restored back, our what was lost and grievously taken from us by our own actions, generations and generations before, and the sin, the missing the mark that continues from generation to generation, our restoration to our birthright, to our place as royalty by that good king, well, the story needs to begin then with the one who longs to restore me and restore you, and that's the Father. In a real way, how can we even talk about the love of the Father? How can we hope to experience that if we're not saying, Father, I want to know you better? How can we love and honor our Savior if we're not saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want to know you better? And in the, finally, in the same way, how can we expect to experience the beauty and the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit if we're not even acknowledging Him as God? Should we know Him? Do we know Him? All these questions that we as humans have put on God and tried to bind Him and put Him in a certain boundary when God cannot be tamed, as His Word says. So what do you do with this story? My hope is as you listen to the story of the good king, the one that starts with the good king and ends with the restoration of you and you living in all that God is calling you to live, my hope is that this would cause you to reconsider how you view God, how you view your relationship with him. And when you start talking about who saved you, who saved you? What were you saved for? How did the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit bring that about? And the thing that is so wonderful, sometimes there's a fear, especially if we, if you're listening to me and you're someone who has grown up in a church or you're very much attending a church right now, sometimes the fear is, I don't want to give Jesus any less honor than I have been prior to now. Like if I'm focusing more on Holy Spirit or the Father, well, I'm not honoring Jesus. Well, it doesn't work that way. We want to give God fullness and honor and worship in its entirety. So if God says, come and know me, and he says, this is who I am, the invitation is from him. You're not dishonoring him. You're not dishonoring Jesus by getting to know the Father. You're not dishonoring Jesus by getting to know Holy Spirit. I hope as you listen to this, one of the things you're thinking about is, what do I believe and why do I believe it? I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. You may be listening to this episode just after Christmas. Or it may be during another part of the year. So you may be saturated right now with the story of the birth of Jesus. So what will you do with this story? Will you tuck it away until next year? Will you start to consider it as, that's a great story, it's a fairy tale? Or maybe you'll start to use it to have a conversation with your Heavenly Father and say, Papa, Dad, Daddy, Abba, Father, how do you see the story? Ask him that. Say, would you give me an un a better understanding of how you've come to be my hero and to bring me back to have a relationship with you? Even begin to have the conversation. When I say this, I literally mean ask this question. And then do you get a feeling of an understanding of an answer? Does an image come to your mind? Does an emotion, do you feel like you're hearing words in your head? It could be any of those things. So when you start to ask God questions, it's not always one way that you're hearing him. I encourage you to start to ask him those questions and start to ask him, have the conversation about the story and say, Father, 
how do you want me to see my story with you? How do you want me to share this? How do you want me to understand what you are calling me to? Father, is there any new understanding, better glimpse into the relationship I have with you? How would you like me to grow in this relationship? And as you're praying, by the way, prayer is just another word for conversation with him. So I'll I'll say as you're talking, as you're talking with God, and you're saying, would you help me understand this story better? And would you help me share this story better? Listen to what he's saying. And sometimes with this story, we need to be able to share the story because we have to reshare this good news. By the way, it's awesome news. We have to reshare this awesome news with ourselves that we need a savior because we were created for a supernatural relationship with the father. Because there was an original break between humanity and God. And because of that, it's impossible for us to have that relationship with God without someone bridging the gap. Hint, spoiler alert, that person is Jesus. And guess what? You are supposed to have that relationship. There is a deep part of you searching out this connection. And finally, friends, send me a message. I'd love to hear about the questions you're asking to your Heavenly Father. I'd love to hear about what you're sharing with Him and what He's showing you and what you're beginning to start to see in terms of the whole story. And also, if anyone's taking a risk in a good way, because we're all called to, to share the whole story, where are you starting with? Are you starting with the good king and putting the whole thing in perspective? I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a line. Thanks so much for joining me for the Sleepwalker podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and we'll see you next week.